This morning, uh, I, I want to talk with us about something that hopefully I imagine will speak to a lot of people here, um, and that will be thinking about how calling works in your life and how you discover calling. I imagine there's a percentage, a, a probably a pretty high percentage of people here that have come here to ask God to speak to you about what you're to do with your life. I think that's what we're, we're here for, I think, isn't it? The cause to live and die for. So you're, you, you came here maybe with questions in your mind or uh, concerns and desires for, for God to speak to you. I, I remember the first conference I went to like this. I, you know, I, again, I hadn't been raised in church, and so when I kind of came to know Jesus, it was really inspiring and exciting and you know, it doesn't, it doesn't take too much long after to, to realize that God probably wants to do something with my life. Up to that point, I sort of just thought, you just kind of make up whatever you want. You just look at what you're good at and what you're able to do, and then you just kind of do whatever you want out of that. But then soon after discovering life with Jesus, I thought, he probably has a plan. And that's a lot of pressure. There's like a plan out there that I didn't know existed. Someone's been making a plan with my life, and I better figure out how that works. And I remember specifically being around other friends of mine who, uh, you know, had been doing this longer than me and going to a conference like this and us being in the car driving to it and uh, talking to them about that and them going around and talking about all the things they knew that God had called them to do. And they're like, you know, I don't know if you've ever been in this scenario, but they're, they're kind of walking, we're in the car and it's just, it's kind of moving around, they're talking, you know, and I think I'm going to be called the missions and this is what happened with me and I think that's what's the next step and then this other person, I'm definitely going to be a pastor and I'm going to do this and you know, I'm a musician and I'm, a, and I'm just kind of watching and getting closer to me, I'm thinking, I better make something up, <laughs> quickly, I have nothing, I have nothing, uh, you know, and <laughs> just the pressure that comes with that. I imagine even in rooms like this, as you're talking with other folks, and it's just kind of a common thing to ask. I've asked it a few times as I've been meeting some of you, you know, oh, so what are you studying in university? Oh, great. Or, and what do you think you'll do with that? I don't, I don't know. (laughs) This is a look of dread. I don't know. Why would you ask me that? That's so scary. I don't know. I should know, shouldn't I? I knew it. I knew it. I'm just, I'm just such a failure. You know, and there's, you know, I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't, I didn't mean to do that. I just thought maybe you might know. And <laughs> let's try something else. But there's, there's, there is an, an incredible amount of pressure. And I think for many people, specifically in their early 20s, uh, you know, you get asked that question all the time. I mean, it, it comes when you're trying to pick a major, what you should do, and, and while you're in university, that's like a terrible moment when you've taken all the, at least in, in the U.S. system, you take a bunch of general classes, and then you kind of have to pick at some point. This terrible experience for me of like, what do I want to do? I don't know what to do. You know, maybe I'll be, yeah, you know, it just feels all so arbitrary. Doctor or philosopher? They're so close together. I don't know which to choose. And that just the, the pressure of how, how does one do such a thing? And I, I imagine there's some of you here feeling that pressure. 
There's others of you that maybe felt like there's been calling in your life, but it doesn't seem to be coming to pass. So you're not sure what those next steps are, what happens in order, what do I do? So I I just want to give you maybe just some basic wisdom. I think God can speak to you however he wants. I don't know that there's a formula on how that works. You know, if you talk to a hundred people about how they've sort of walked out calling in their life, you're probably going to get a hundred different stories. You get a, a bunch of different ways that that works. But I want to give you maybe just from some pictures in the scriptures on how that works. And I have a hunch for some of you, even this morning, God would speak to you directly uh, about some ways. And others of you, he won't. He'll just give you some general wisdom that'll start you on a path by which you'll start to discover calling. Does that sound like it might be worthwhile this morning? Some of you are like, I know exactly what I'm called to do. This will be a total waste of my time. <laughs> well... All right, well, thanks for coming. (laughs) Some basic just kind of preliminary thoughts on how calling works. Uh, Jesus in John chapter 10 talks about, my sheep hear my voice. My sheep hear my voice. You know, we have to figure out up front, where does our confidence come from? Where does our confidence come from in hearing God's voice and responding to calling? How do we determine our confidence? How do we know? How do we feel secure in what it is that God is asking of us? And I, I find that, that, that kind of theme running through the Bible of sheep and hearing God's voice, John 10, I, I find that fascinating because it's an interesting analogy. Uh, I don't know if you've ever been around sheep. Have you been around sheep? It actually wasn't until this past year that I was around sheep. Uh, And, uh, you know, I'd always read these things in the Bible, and, you know, I didn't really have a a clear reference. And then I was around sheep, and I'd always heard things about sheep. But then being around them, I learned some new things. I was on a farm, and uh, it was lambing season. And uh, and we were there, and I'm looking at these sheep, and, and the more that I'm around them, I was around them for like a week, I realized... They're just really, really, really stupid. They're not like kind of stupid. They're really stupid. Uh, and and they, they just sort of funnel in together. And it's, it's actually incredibly unsettling to be around them because they all just kind of pile together and they move away from you and just stare at you awkwardly. And if you think about all the ways that Jesus could describe how, who we are and how we respond to him, in a, in a group of people that are around sheep, he's effectively saying, you're really stupid. You're just really stupid. And your confidence, this is critical, your confidence in hearing and knowing what to do is not in your own wisdom. It's not in your ability to hear, but in my ability to lead. Listen, you have confidence because God is a great leader. He's a great leader. He's very good at what he does. (laughs) He really is. He can lead you as he sees fit. He can get to you. Trust me, he can speak to you. It is not hard for him to get your attention. So much of the time that 
we think about the prophetic or hearing God's voice or responding to calling, we think of it as though it's this big mystery, this puzzle. You know, I'll, t- I'll talk to people often and they'll just say, you know, I just don't want to miss God. And when you look at the ways in the scripture that God gets people's attention, it's not really possible to miss him when he wants to get your attention. You know, he will blind you if he wants to. That's like an example in the Bible. He will make things perpetually burn in your presence. He can strike you with various kinds of illnesses. He can make animals speak. Right? That he does that. It's like a Disney thing. It's not just in Disney. It's in the Bible. He can make animals speak if he sees fit. He is very good at what he does. Your confidence is not in your ability to follow, but in his ability to lead. He's very good at this. He does not say, my clever foxes. He says, stupid sheep. And if you're around shepherds, you know, that are with sheep, you, you notice the different methodologies they have for making, getting sheep uh, to respond. This has nothing to do with sermon, but it's an interesting story. It, it does a little. But, but, you know, when we were around the sheep, there was one of them that had injured its leg and it wouldn't let anybody near it. So it's like running on three legs. And, if, and so we got on an ATV, all-terrain vehicle, and we're like chasing this thing. And I got to leap off the ATV and tackle a sheep. Okay, I just want to tell you that just felt really, <laughs> so nothing to do with anything. But, but it, was, it was so cool. And you're like, that's so unkind. But you know, here's the thing. That was the only way we could get to this stupid thing. It was injured and it wouldn't let us near it. And, and it's so true. When you look at what shepherds have in their arsenal, they have the crooked stick, you know? You know that? You ever seen that? You know, like the stick, the staff. You know why it's crooked? You know why it has that little arch in it? To grab sheep by the neck, pull them, or to beat them, to get them to pay attention. You know, shepherds would carry stones and and a sling. And you know why they did that? Well, partly to protect the sheep. You know, if there was a wolf or something, hit, hit the wolf. But also for the sheep. One sheep wanders off a bit, away from the rest. Hit him in the back of the head. They just go back in. The rest... Sheep, because that's, I mean, they're stupid. It's, not, it's no different with you or with me. You know, when, when things go whizzing by your head, things seem to be going wrong, there's some kind of imminent destruction in your life, that might be God's way of trying to get you back with the other sheep. Ouch, that hurt. Oh, well, keep going. No, maybe you should respond. Maybe that's God speaking to you. Did you come back in with the other sheep? I think we think of calling almost like it's a game of hide and go seek. Do you play hide and go seek here? Do you call, do you call it that? Hide and go seek, you know, as kids, you, you know, you cover your eye, you count, and then ready or not, here I come, and you turn around. It's almost like God is hiding from you. He's in, he's in camouflage and he's hiding. There he is, and he runs, hides again. You know, and it's 
And it's really up to you. You've got to figure this out. And, and, it, and God actually doesn't really want you to know. He doesn't want you to know what you're supposed to do with your life. It's really up to you to figure it out. And there's lots of pressure. Don't mess it up. It's like a winding, narrow path going up a mountain. You could fall at any moment. Don't mess it up. Be very careful. That is so not the way it works. It is such a, such a terrible way to see your life with God. Jesus, when he talks about what he does, he says, I do nothing but what I see the Father doing. And we'll talk about this more in a second. I do nothing but what I see the Father doing. This is Jesus speaking. For the Father loves the Son and he shows him everything he's doing. God is pleased to show you. He loves to lead. So some of you then say, well, and why does he appear so silent? Why does it feel like it's hard to see? You know, the challenge is not in listening for just specific things for God to speak, but responding to the ways that he is currently. You listen to his voice where it is heard and you respond where it is clear And as you continue to progressively follow God in what is present, he continues to show you what is to come. And and here's the deal. If he told you the whole story, you would mess it up. It would give you the impression that your vote is the most important thing. It's not. Your obedience to the moment is the most important thing. It is. If he gave you the whole story, you might go, eh. I don't think so. Because you don't understand how great of a life God is laying out for you. We settle so easily. We have imagined what's the most important things in our life. And then we're going to tell God what's really important. When really he's saying, no, this is what's most important now. I think about the disciples in the scriptures. And I think, how many of them would have actually followed through all the way if Jesus had told them what their life was going to become in the end? Like the story of Peter. Instead of saying, come make me fishers of men, he says, come and lose all of your money. Come and one day you will be crucified upside down. What do you say? Peter would go on, oh, no thank you. I got got a fishing business, I'm running. Thanks, Thanks for the offer though. It's really kind of you to think of me. Peter said, no thank you, but you know, Seriously, and this might sound crazy, but I, I have a sinking suspicion that even in that last, those last moments, Peter went, wow, I can't believe I've gotten to live this life. I live a life now that I never would have imagined that I would want, but I was always made for this. Because ultimately, God is more interested in who you're becoming, and as you, as you become who you're supposed to be, you pursue the call that he has always made you for. God is more interested in who you are right now and how you're responding to what he's doing with you right now. He keeps you on a short leash because if he puts you on a longer leash, you would wander in the wrong direction. He keeps you in where you're supposed to go because you're a sheep. And you need clear, specific, immediate instructions. So if you want to start to pursue the calling of God, I'll give you a couple basic thoughts. One would just be, obey what is clear right now. Respond to what is clear right now and is right in front of you. 
right now and what is right in front of you. Respond to what God is saying prophetically today before you hear about what you're going to do with your career or 20 years from now. And one of the ways that you can obey today is read the Bible and do those things. I love in the vineyard that we listen for the voice of God and we respond to the spirit of God. I love that. I think it's important. It's a central value of who we are. We want to hear God's voice. We want to experience his presence and we want to respond. But you know, the Bible is the clearest way for us to know what it is that God's asking of us. And we should be studying the scripture and obeying accordingly. And what's interesting is, it's as we read the Bible, we understand the priorities that God has and how he kind of sounds. We get used to the things he talks about and the things that are interesting to him. Such that when we hear other things, we can discern what is God's voice based on what we know is clear, we can evaluate the subjective. Does this make sense? Because he's been clear in his word about what he's about. Such that then when we hear things, we can go, ah, that sounds like God. That's the kind of thing that God's about. That makes sense. That would align with the way he's generally spoken to people in the scriptures. So, for example, when people come to me and they've never heard God's voice ever in their life. You know, they say, you know, I've just never heard God's voice. And the first time they hear God's voice, a single person walks up to me and say, Jay, I've heard God's voice. I go, really? What did he talk to you about? He told me who I'm going to marry. I think, wow, that's interesting. He, point, he pointed her out. She doesn't know yet, though. Ooh, okay, dangerous. Okay. That's fascinating. So of all the things that are valuable to God in the world about your life, about sin and calling and gospel and sharing your faith and healing Freedom and repentance of all of those things, the most important thing for God to get to you about is who you're going to marry. Yes. Maybe you don't know this is the most important thing. Maybe it's just the most important thing to you. And so you're really just putting your vision in this one place and saying, God, I need you to speak about the thing that's most important to me first when God is saying, there's a lot of things I've been talking to you about that are really important to me. How about you respond to some of those things and then we'll lead you forward in the other things. Nobody's liking this talk. (laughs) You're not liking this very much. I'm sorry, I'll move on quickly. So, so that would be one. You're like, what? That's that's the one thing I came here wanting to hear. I'm sorry, I've ruined your your conference. Those of you are going, I'm just praying that she hears. You know, she hasn't heard yet. It's been... (laughs) been really awkward. Okay, good luck with that. So, obey what's really clear from the Bible and believe that God speaks prophetically also through his word. He really does. My prayer for the vineyard, I pray that we would love the scriptures. We just love the Bible. And it's as we love the Bible that we get a sense of how he sounds such that when he speaks... We just know we can discern effectively because of the scriptures. Another basic tip, I think, for for pursuing calling would be be faithful to what's in front of you, and specifically the people that are in front of you. Uh, I think one of the, the best ways to discover calling in your life 
If you don't have a clear sense of what God is doing in your life now, or what he's called you to, look around and find someone that it's obvious that they're responding to the calling of God in their life and just help them. If you don't have a clear call for what you're going to do in your life, look around you and say, wow, that guy, that girl knows exactly what God's doing. The favor of God is on them. And so I'm going to participate in blessing them and serving them. And you get effectively in the momentum of God's presence and calling. You get in the midst of the kingdom of God and it's within that that God begins to speak and steer you. It's not just about what God has called you to. It's about what he wants to do in the world. And as you respond to other people, often God makes clear who you are. This is in the Bible all over the place. I love Jonathan in the Bible. You know, we always, we love David, but you know, David doesn't do a whole lot without Jonathan. (laughs) Jonathan, who is the rightful king, the rightful heir, the son of the king, stands in a moment with David and hears David share his heart about who he is and what he thinks that God has made him to do. And Jonathan, in just listening to this other man, says, that's God. That's God. God is in his life and he walks up to David and says, I will do whatever it takes to help you. I will do whatever it takes to serve you. I will stand with you no matter what happens And of course, we know David lives this incredible life, but there are many, many moments in David's life that without Jonathan, he is dead. Quite literally, he just, he's dead. But God brings Jonathan along to serve him and enable him to be all that he's supposed to be. There aren't many people that say, I really want to be Jonathan. There's lots of people that say, I really want to be David, but man, Jonathan got to live a really interesting life because of how God was working in David's life. Uh, You look at Barnabas in the scriptures. You know, we always talk about Paul's calling. You know Paul's call where he gets, you know, knocked over and blinded and I'm going to send you to the Gentiles. It's a great moment of calling, isn't it? Most commentators would argue that Paul, there's at least eight, probably 13 years between when Paul is called and when he actually starts ministry. Think about that a minute. We'll talk about waiting for calling to develop in a second. For some of you have real sense of calling in your life. God spoke to you very clearly and now you're going, and what happened? Now I'm back in Tarsus making tents. Awesome. I was blinded. There was a clear call, and now I'm doing the basic boring thing I was doing before. That's what happens to Paul. So Paul's off just doing normal stuff for eight years. There's this guy, Barnabas, who had been around Paul, had heard about his calling, and he sees what God is doing in Antioch. And he sees Gentiles coming into faith. And you know what he does? He goes, wait a minute, wasn't there that Paul guy? There's that Paul guy who was called to this. And I see God doing it, and he goes all the way down to Tarsus, and he finds Paul, and he says, Paul, the thing that God has called you to do, it's happening. It started. You should come and see. And I don't know how that conversation went. I mean, it, it depends on how you read the scriptures, but ultimately, it's, it's my opinion, reading the Bible, that Paul was called, and then the Jerusalem brothers found him a little bit too intense and weird. And they were afraid he was going to get killed because of how wild he was. So they just kind of stuffed him away off in this corner. But I think God was in that. And so Paul's out there kind of frustrated, irritated. 
I mean, there's people who have been like wanting calling for a year and they're like, it's just not fair. It's been a whole year. Think about being Paul. Eight years or to 13 years. And I imagine Barnabas shows up and he's like, hey, we got to do this. And I can just imagine Paul going, I don't want to now. I don't want to. You just want me when you want me. You don't like me when you don't like me. You know what? I like making tents. I'm getting a lot better at it. Barnabas is like, no, I mean, come on, the call, the thing. No, 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 eight years? Why not 20 years? Why not 40 years? That's Moses, by the way. Why not? Why not just wait? You know, and Barnabas, come on. There is no Paul without Barnabas. Strangely enough, Barnabas ends up mentoring Paul, and sort of somewhere in there, it shifts, and Paul ends up being the one who's leading the charge, and Barnabas is assisting. Where are the Barnabases? Where are the people that recognize something that God's doing, and they just pull other people into it? Not just have to be the people in front. I was so frustrated about these moments where I'd be at conferences and all these other people are calling and I didn't. I was so frustrated. I was so irritated. And I felt like God just so clearly spoke to me as I was reading these stories and he said, Jay, is there anyone around you that you know is called? Why don't you serve them? And I went, okay. And I went along and I started serving uh, who we became great friends, a guy named Eric Pickerel. I think he spoke at the cause last year. I felt like God spoke to me so clearly, I want you to serve Eric. And so, sure, I'll serve Eric. And I started to serve Eric, and, and I felt like God made it really clear. He said, I will evaluate you based on how Eric does. If Eric succeeds, then you're succeeding. If Eric does not succeed, it's on you. I thought... That's not fair. That's not, that's not fair at all. And worse than that, I want you to do this in such a way that he doesn't know most of what you do. You serve him faithfully, and as you do that, I'll show you what's next. So, you know, I would do all the stuff that I, you know, that I could tell Eric didn't want to do and didn't like doing. I would do those things like, for example, like confronting people that were like misbehaving, uh, you know, causing problems. You know, they throw like the huge beer bash for their small group and half the people got drunk and, you know, probably doesn't happen here. But, but those are the things that happen in, in the evil wilderness of America. And so I, I would just not even ask him. I'd just go in and be like, hey, come on, man, you got to get this straight. This is not okay and blah, blah, blah. I'd, I would go around confronting, and of course, inevitably, they would eventually come to Eric and say, you know, you're not going to believe how mean Jay was. And, you know, and he would go, oh, you know, you know, Jay can be really intense. And then he would get to look like a hero. I was like a bad guy. I was like the hatchet man, you know, and he was, and I just felt over and over every time God affirmed me and say, that's exactly what I've asked you to do. Good job. And I think it doesn't feel so good. I don't like that. I want to look cool. I want to look great. I want to be amazing. Over and over, in the Bible, God says, can you respond to the authority that's in front of you so you will be shown worthy to be entrusted with authority? How well are you responding to the authority that is already in place in your life? 
right now. How well are you responding to the authority that's already in place in your life? Do they see you as a blessing or do they see you as like a distraction and an irritation? Do they say, wow, I am so glad that this person is with me. Paul says, well, or someone else, in Hebrews 13, the writer of Hebrews says, obey your leaders that it might be a joy to them and not a burden for that would be of no advantage to you. You know, if you're like annoying to the, the leaders around you and you make it hard for them, they won't lead you well because they won't like being with you. There's different leaders right now going, preach. <laughs> preach, Jay. Preach. Tell them like it is. Don't, don't let up on them. I, I can feel it. I can just feel it. There's like five of you affirming me. There's like 500 going, you're not being very nice. I don't like this preaching today. You should go back to the 300 thing, you know, with the kicking and the... But it's just true. I'm just telling you, and it's as you respond to authority that God, he just opens up different avenues of blessing in your life. He really does. As you respond to the authority that's put in place, God finds you, he deems you worthy of authority. And I would just say, and respond to opportunities that are in front of you. I'm amazed at how many people that are trying to develop in their gifting and calling, they sharpen way too quick what they think that they're about and what they're going to do, and they don't just take the opportunities that are in front of them. I mean, as I was trying to figure out how to be a communicator and a preacher, I would teach at every possible thing I could, everything. I, I taught middle school youth group. I taught kids camps. I did Sunday school teaching for kids. I even taught at a women's retreat once. <laughs> I did. It was awkward, okay? I'm not, saying, I'm not saying it went well. I'm just saying, for whatever reason, I became known as the guy that was just available to teach. And, and there is something that's not just spiritual, but I think it's just, it's just physical. It's just the way that aptitude works. There's something that uh, a guy named Malcolm Gladwell writes about in a book called Outliers. He talks about the 10,000 hour rule. There's something about repetition that enables you to develop in your gifts that every person that's an expert has done something for 10,000 hours, 10,000 hours. You know, that's a lot of hours. And the real challenge is how quickly can you get to 10,000 hours? And many people that are growing and developing their gifts, they only get to 10,000 hours right about when they're going to die. So they get really good right about when they're going to die. And I, I just thought to myself, I'm just going to do lots of things, lots of times. I tried leading worship. Didn't work out. <laughs> Didn't work out so well. I, 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 I tried. I tried sound guy. You have no idea how hard their job is. It's really hard. There's lots of knobs. <laughs> There's just lots. I'm trying to affirm them. They're not even listening to me. This is the one time, sound guy, you're going to get affirmed. It's right now, and you're missing it. Anyway, there's, there's, because, because the, the only, the only way the sound guy gets recognized is if they're messing it up, and, and I'm trying to affirm you. You're still not hearing it. Okay, well, I tried it. I tried all of it. 
And, uh, and I just kept doing different things. And then when I found a few things I was pretty good, I kept repeating those. And, and, and eventually you find your sweet spot, but it's by trying lots of things, lots of times, take whatever opportunities are in front of you, serve like crazy and serve those that are in front of you. And you start to discover calling in your life. This is the last one, and I'll, and I'll just say it, it deals with people as well as seek counsel and seek counsel from those that are not impressed with you. Specifically, people that scare you. Let me be more direct. People that can tend to be mean to you. Do not just seek counsel and encouragement from those that just like you. I I talk to people all the time, they're like, you know, people say I'm a great preacher. Really? Who? My friends. They love it. They love it when I preach to them. I think that's not a good referent point. That's not a helpful... You need to talk to people that are like actually good preachers and that aren't just impressed with you. They can be really direct and honest with you. I, I, I've said this before. I, I, I say it often that, you know, working for Rich Nathan was incredibly vital for me because Rich can just be so direct and just to kind of the common eye, it's that he could be just mean. I remember the first time I preached at Joshua House, and, you know, everyone just comes up and they're like, that was great. You're amazing, you know, and wow. And I thought, oh, that was great. Thank you. I'm so glad you recognize that I'm so good. Because I've always kind of thought I was good. And I just needed an opportunity to show the world and uh, I went into the office the next day, and I'm talking to Rich. He goes, how did it go at Joshua? It's your first sermon in front of, like, you know, a crowd, not just a class or, like, a small group. Your first sermon. I said, man, lots of people came up and said it was great. He goes, well, like who? And I started listing the people, and he goes, oh, those are like nobody. Those are just random people. What? what? <laughs> well, they're people. They're people who like me. Those are the people who like me. That's who those people are. He said, Jay, listen, here's the deal. When you preach... When you do anything, no matter what you do, there's going to be a group of people that just say, man, you're great. You could just stand there and say, Jesus loves you. There's an alarm going off. Jesus, I'm sorry, I'm a little ADD. Jesus, Jesus loves you. And then just be really quiet and stand there for 20 minutes. See, I, did, I was like 10 seconds. It's awkward. You can stand there and then say again, Jesus loves you. Stand there for five more minutes and go, thank you. Walk off. You would have like 50 people walk up and go, that was so profound. It was so deep. Because that's not deep. That's just stupid. It's just, it's just odd. The key isn't if someone encourages you, do the right people encourage you in the right ways? That's the key. And he said, and I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm sure it was probably really bad. (laughs) This isn't going well. He said, well, I'll listen to it, and I'm going to write you back all the things that are wrong. And he did. Oh, he did. (laughs) And and clarified all those. This, you could have done that. 
And you know, but I'll tell you what, I, I, after there was about six months of that where I just thought, you know, I'm just really bad. I'm, I'm just going to, I'm going to resign. You know, I had like a dozen of these moments I was interning for him. I went in to resign. I went to his office to resign. I said, I think I should just resign because I'm obviously not very good at this. He said, hey, Jay, close the door. I want to talk to you. I closed the door. I sat back down. He said, here's the thing, Jay. Here's the deal. You're really talented and gifted, and lots of people will say that you're great everywhere you go. And for the rest of your life, people are going to tell you that you're great. Here's the thing. You happen to bump into one person that's not impressed. And I see not just what you are, but what you could become. And you could become more than you ever imagined possible. And so I am going to challenge you and push you to become something more than you ever dreamt. Because I believe in you. And I went, wow. I actually sat there and just thought, I'll do whatever it takes for this guy in my life. And it was, there were, I mean, I could just share excruciating moments where I just felt like, you know, like this big. And, you know, there's always, there's always, there's always an opportunity for you to respond to someone who just thinks you're great. And there's going to be that one person over there who's like, you know, I think he could be more. Respond to the people who believe in you enough to tell you who you could become, not just affirm who you are. Now, he affirmed who I was in that moment, didn't he? I think you have amazing stuff, but I think you could become something else. And it's in the midst of that that we hone and we respond. We become the kinds of people that God puts calling into and changes us and leads us forward. And ultimately, as you think about decisions and calling in your life, Choose to seek a blessing, not just permission. Ask for those that have authority in your life to bless you, not just give you permission. There's a big difference, isn't there? There's a big difference between, yeah, sure, go ahead, do whatever you want. Good luck. And I believe in you, and I think this is what God has called you to do. I bless you. Isn't there a big difference between those two things? There's a big difference between permission and blessing. And I'll tell you, there's something in the Bible about blessing that I don't quite understand, but that is really poignant and powerful. That when people don't have blessing, things go strange. When they just have permission, but when they do have blessing, everything changes. There's something about blessing. Someone says, with all that I am and all that I see of God, I say, go and do all that God has put in your heart. I bless you to do it. Um, this is true not just obviously in ministry, but obviously in marriage. If, you, if you're thinking about getting married, you're in a process of marriage and people around you are not giving you blessing, I think you should, you should think about that. Uh, you know, not just permission, but blessing. For me, in my own life, I'll, I'll close with this story. Uh, this issue of permission versus blessing is a critical piece of my story. Over and over, I've chosen to submit to authority to seek blessing, not just permission. And I think it's something that God has blessed in my life significantly over time. I'm going to show you a very personal story about this. Uh, I had been dating my girlfriend, Danielle. Now she's my wife. We've been dating a long time. I had a very clear prophetic moment with God where God spoke to me about asking her to marry me. I went to all my friends, every single friend. I went to every leader in my life and I said, is there any reason you can see that I should not marry this girl? Every single one said, Jay, we've been waiting for this for like a year. 
Get on with it. Stop asking questions like this. I went, okay, I just want to be sure because I want to make sure that there's blessing. Get on with it. Okay, great. Went to her mom. She said, yes, of course, Jay, you're like already in the family. You know, everyone. Blessing, blessing, blessing. Okay. So I asked her to marry me. She said yes. Happy to report. And it was about a couple days later that her mom came and said, listen, I thought about it some more. I would just appreciate if you wouldn't set a date. Because I think there's a lot going on in your life. You both come from pretty broken families. It would be good for you to to take a long time, get some counseling, get some help before you get married. And I went, this would have been good to know couple weeks ago. I'm not really sure why this is coming up now. And, and, and I, I really still to this day, I'm not exactly sure. Maybe it was God speaking to her. Maybe it was just she was afraid because of the dynamics of their family, the first girl getting married. I don't know. I really don't know for sure. I think only God knows. But I said, okay, listen, because I'd really thought and read a lot and thought a lot about blessing. And I said, I really want your blessing, not just permission. So we're going we're gonna to get in counseling, we're going to do the hard work, we'll do what it takes. Which is great. Six months go by. Doing counseling. I sit down with her. Listen, here's what we're doing, here's what we've done. We'd like to set a date. She said, yeah, I just don't feel comfortable about that. Really? What would make you feel comfortable? Because we've been doing everything you've been asking us to do. What would make you feel comfortable? Jay said, pressing down all of his anger. She said, well, I'm not really sure. I'm not, I don't know. If you just kind of keep doing this, maybe we'll talk about it soon. Like how soon? Like tomorrow? Because <laughs> it's really awkward to have like your girlfriend wearing an engagement ring and everybody says, when's the date? And you say, we don't know. That's really weird. And it happens every day. Every <laughs> single day. It happens. So can we, do, can, we, can we try this again tomorrow? No, no, Okay. Good, thanks. Another six months go by. Still no date. And I'm starting to wonder if this whole blessing thing's really worth what I thought it was worth. And that's when a pastor on staff brought me into his office. A guy we really respected. And he said, hey Jay, here's the deal. I think you're great. I think your, your relationship's great. You've been going through so much great stuff. I believe in you as getting married. And here's the deal. If you want to get married tomorrow, I'll do the wedding for you, like tomorrow. I'll just do it tomorrow, and I think it's the, you could do it, and I think it would be great. But here's the deal. There's something about blessing that's in the Bible. You're going to be with this family the rest of your life. There's something about blessing that I think God honors, and I think if you fight this out, you will be a different person for it. I thought, that's like the worst counsel I've ever heard. You, you, said, you said two things at the exact same time that are the opposite things. That's not fair. That's not nice. It's an unkind thing to do. And he said, well, that's just, that's what I think. I said, okay. Well, we meet, we meet, you know, it's a, a couple, another month or two go by and we're sitting and she says, listen, I, I just, I just really feel bad. I feel like all these different people are giving me pressure now for you guys to get married. So I think you should just go ahead and do it. I said, no, 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 no. No, we've been doing this long enough. You're going to bless me. You're going to bless me. You're going to put your hand on my head. You're going you're gonna to put your hands, both hands. I want both. Now, both hands. And you're going to say, I believe in you. I bless you. I believe that God has asked you to marry my daughter. And I bless you 
to be a part of our family, and I believe what God has done in your life. And she's like, really? I mean, the, yes, with the hands. I, like, I remember putting my hand in <laughs> Bless you to do that. And it was excruciatingly painful, and it was a year in some of my life, and it shaped me into a different kind of person. And I think that's what God is interested in for you and for me, to seek and find blessing from people around us. Do you think that's something you could do? Yeah, there's only a few of you nodding. But you're like, are you serious? This is a real, right? I mean, like, you know, that, that doesn't make sense. That's crazy. Yes, it is crazy. If you have an assignment, your main assignment would be go to the key leaders in your life that scare you the most and go to them and simply say, what would you bless in my life? What's the counsel you give me? What do you think God is asking me right now? And then respond accordingly. I think God, as we do that, we become the kind of people that God continually releases different kinds of calling in life. And we're not meant to do this alone. It's a short version.